0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the ImprovTX Comedy Network. If this is your first time checking out the Podcast Network, we appreciate it. Please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give the ImprovTX Comedy Network a like. And just a reminder, the ImprovTX Comedy Network is live on YouTube with all your favorite comedians on the improv stage. All links can be found in the description. And with that, on to the podcast. Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to The Act Out. From open mics to the big stage, comedians tell us stories they've made. Today, I'm super excited. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie, because this comedian that's on today is one of my heroes. And I mean that. The comedian we're talking to today is awesome. He's amazing. He's hilarious. He owns the stage. I, I'm so excited. We're talking to Joel Reynolds Jr.
1: I was thinking that you was talking about somebody else <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate no,
0: it. No, you're one of my heroes. You, you're written large in the mythology of comedy for me. <laughs> (laughs) Because you were there in the beginning, you were the first comedian I ever talked to, you were so sweet and kind to me, like, you didn't know me, but you were just, you were just so decent to me, and I was just like, oh, all comedians are going to be like this, and then they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It is what it is. Joel, I appreciate you being here, Uh, we are promoting the show, it's going to be December 22nd and 23rd. Next week Christmas show is going down. Right. You are headlining.
1: Christmas Eve Eve. I got my boy Kenny Weeks. He's gonna be the oh, host.
0: Kenny's awesome.
1: I'm always clowning with him, but my you know, my boy, we do we do good shows together. And then we'll have Rob Ross. So we'll have some, you know me. I like to mix it up, yeah. we'll have some diversity and and it's gonna an all pro, you know, adult show.
0: Right on, yeah. And it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so much fun. You have to come out and check out the show, Arlington Improv. Like I said, the 22nd and 23rd.
1: The 22nd and the 23rd is Christmas Eve Eve. We have two shows on the 23rd, 7.30 and 9.45. So you get to get a good comedy show in before Christmas Eve and you get around people that you want to be around but you don't really want to be around. (laughs) Yes, this is the truth.
0: So let's start from the beginning. First of all, how long have you been doing comedy?
1: Oh, man. Last time I told somebody that they took it and used it against me in court. (laughs) 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 Um... (laughs) 20 years plus
0: 20 years plus yeah 20 Damn. years
1: plus and I mean I admit when I when I first started out it was kind of like it was choppy you know I didn't understand I started out at a comedy club actually Steve Harvey had a comedy club right here in Dallas Texas in in Oak Cliff I started but it closed like six months after I started so I was in kind of like in limbo I didn't know you know to, to network I just thought when I first started, you just be funny and everything would take care of itself, right? Right. <laughs> and that was wrong, but I started there, and so I kind of, you know, was in spaces doing comedy. When I was supposed to start networking and you know, comedians say, "Hey, come by," and, and it just kind of grew back. And but it still. And then at one point, I got my feelings hurt too, and took like a couple of years off. And, really? Right? Yeah. yeah. That's
0: wild to hear that you say that because. I get my feelings hurt sometimes, too, because comedians are sensitive people. Oh, yeah. And, and I'll take, a, like, a couple weeks off or something like that, and, like, it really hurts. But, like you said, you took a couple years.
1: Yeah. Like I told you, I, you know, I started out in the comedy club, so I was kind of spoiled and didn't know it. And I had to go out and find my way. And, you know, luckily, that's why I love the opportunity to be at the improv and, I, and I always take it. I don't ever take it for granted because I've been in spots where it's like, you know, we're we, we really doing comedy here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've been in kitchens, and you know, without a mic, uh, fighting TVs, uh, fighting audiences. Wow. I mean, people, and it's so hard to go and just do comedy in these, these little places, but that makes you. So, that kind of made me, you know, it kind of broke me, but then it kind of made me, you know, come back. Because I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't losing. Like, when I first started, I think when I got booed the first time, that brought a sense of urgency. To to what I was doing. And the setup was like this. It was a big club. It was here in Dallas, Texas, called at Guadalajara. I don't know if you remember that, but I was born and raised here. So, you know, I've seen a lot of things come and go. But it had these different rooms and it was always packed. They had a party room, they had maybe a stripper room, a cigar room. You know how they do it. And then they had a room where we were doing comedy shows, right? And even with the door closed, you could still hear the music in the other room. So you had to grab people's attention and hold it. You couldn't tell a story and talk at a normal voice you had to kind of like raise it up a notch right and man i got booed and i just but i took it hard but i came back the next week and i had that sense of urgency and it worked i realized i gotta be you know like you know it's almost like it like i am now but i learned another level to that but that got me through and i came back did the same like a week later did the same thing and and did great. A guy even, you know, give me one of those handshakes where they like that and mm-hmm. it was some men and I was like, Oh, he gave me five or ten dollars. It was fifty bucks. Oh damn. Oh, and I was like, Oh, I can make some money doing this yeah. too if I'm serious. So that was a big moment for me and as far as, you know, starting out and doing comedy.
0: I was gonna ask next, uh, you already said it. You were born and raised here in D F W, right?
1: Yes, sir. So you've
0: been here your whole life pretty yep. much?
1: Well well, I moved around a little bit, but for the most part my mother lives in Oklahoma City, so I went back and forth when I was younger, before comedy. And then after I was here for a while, I moved to New York, Queens, New York, for a couple of years. I was actually in Brooklyn and Harlem and then Astoria. So my brother lives there. So, But I was going through another transition in my life, you know, where I was working in radio here. And mm-hmm. I know you probably would want to talk about that, too. Yes. But when they let me go, I went to New York. To fully pursue comedy, like I, you know, like I really wanted to, and I was able to. I was able to get on the mic like two or three times a day, six, seven days a week. It's you know, they're doing comedy everywhere over there, like I said. And that right there just really it, it built me to where it's like I'm like this. I mean, I'm I'm there. Like I'm I'm forever in it. Even if I don't you know make it like the big time or whatever, I'm here and I'm strong. I'm just not because I think it's so much politics into comedy making it right and and they don't want no old guy i'm not that old but i'm old as far as a guy being groomed and developed basically i got my own opinion
0: (laughs) yeah 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 but that's a good thing i think and you have a work ethic because you've worked on like your youtube channel you have skits you have videos your roast videos are hysterical right i loved when you put those out that was like one of my favorite things (laughs) i would be like oh what's he talking about today oh yeah like and so you, you were constantly creating content, you know right, what I mean? Uh-huh. And then, like you said, you were on the radio. You had, what was it, the Junebug show? Is that what it was? Well, you? actually,
1: I was on Skip Murphy and Company morning show, so it really wasn't actually my show on, I don't know if you might be talking about my podcast I did recently, but I've been in a radio, like radio station, like it was service broadcasting. and we were the number one show here in the DFW. I mean, Skip Murphy Company, at uh, Lee, Sam Putney, Wig, Chris Arnold, you know, those are legends in radio, and it was a pleasure for me to be a part of that, and that's how I kind of got in there, doing comedy, and I would see these guys at places, they would do contests, I would show up. Actually, what really solidified it, I was doing the Addison Improv, at uh, Lee had a fat Tuesday, and I was living in Oklahoma, so every other week, I would oh, wow. drive three hours wow. just to perform there, and I had such a great time, and I ended up making friends with a lot of people at the radio. And it's like, oh, radio, you know, this would be a good spot for you. You know, you should be in radio. This is like, this is this should happen. And then I had a guy that kind of took me under his wing. He was answering the phones at the radio station. And he was working like, I guess, four days a week. And they had a girl that was doing one day. She was going to quit. And he was training me to, you know, fill in her for her spot. But what happened was the irony of the, the guy that was training me, they was targeting him to fire because he was so rude to the people because Skip Murphy was is, you know still is but he was really big in that time so people was calling me like hang up on him I'm like I wouldn't do that why would you yeah. if somebody really wants to talk to somebody why would you do that like why would you treat them like that so but that guy ended up getting fired I ended up working five days a week answering the phones at the radio station and, and I grew into a personality because they started inviting me into the room. Oh, wow. Um, I was a producer of the show. I wrote a lot of skits for them, a lot of top tens for Nanette, uh, Skip. I filled in for Sam when he was out, Chris Arnold, even Skip Murphy. So I was like a jack of all trades and just grew. And it kind of grew because a guy... You know, the phone part I told you about, but then a guy didn't show up that was supposed to work the streets after my shift. And I just went and did that because I was, you know, I was the comedian. So I wasn't afraid to go to say, hey, I'm at Burger King and the K104 Hummer. Come on, (laughs) holler at me. I'll buy you a waffle with cheese. You know, you know, that was fun for me. So it was nothing. It was like not even a thought. And it just grew, man. It just. Grew until I was a morning personality on that morning show. It was, it was epic, and I was on the street team, and it just
0: yeah. Everyone knows you. That's the thing is is uh, I would say, oh, I went to you know Joel's show the other night, and people would be like, oh, and they knew you by the nickname at the time, right? You know? Yeah, they knew you. As yeah, they called me a Junebug on a yeah. radio show. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And so I would say. Hey, I went to Junebug Show. They're like, you went to June Bug Show? Like, that's crazy. And like, how do I? Get, when's the next one? And all that stuff. So right. you're very well known within the DFW area. I, maybe even further. I mean, that was one of my questions. You you've headlined here multiple times, but also all around DFW. Uh, probably outside the state of Texas, right? right so you've right. been a national comic,
1: right? Right. Yeah, I throw shows in Oklahoma. I always sell them out. I just throw them myself. I mean, I wish it was improv in Oklahoma. Maybe we need to talk to him about that. But, <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I did the shows in New York. Um, I went to California a little bit, and I've been to Baltimore. I, I was on tour with Mike Epps, so I did a lot of, you know, he kind of, when he would come to this region, he would let me do things like that. So I've been all the way to Brownsville. Uh, Harlingen, Texas, Westlake, you know, all along all these little uh, San Angelo. I mean, any little Texas town, I probably much (laughs) been and been been to it. You know, I've done job cores. You know, those with the you know with the bad kids. Yeah, they're supposed to be getting skills. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. I did did shows at job cores. Man, it was so funny because you have to be clean, but you know those kids are not interested in anything. Yeah, but. You know, all kind of shows, all kind of bars, all kind of outside venues. It's, it was, it's it's been a, a good journey, like, and I don't know if, like, a lot of comics understand that. You know, they'll maybe, now, with the internet, you know, somebody's on the internet and they tell a few jokes on YouTube. Oh, they're a comic. Yeah. But to me, and it's nothing against anybody because a lot of people want to be something they're not on the internet. And they, call, they try to do it, but if you get on stage... As a comic, it's nothing like that feeling. And I think that's where you can say I'm a comic because you actually got on stage in front of people you didn't know and took a chance. And that's hard to do and get yeah. you'll get the feedback right then. Like and like a, you said, it can hurt. It can right. it
0: can hurt. Like, but
1: it'll build it'll build you. Like you'll you'll understand like I can't waste these people time or their money. You know, I can't be like just sitting there wasting time. A
0: lot of people do that nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen quite a few comedians that uh probably shouldn't be on stage. And I agree with you, the YouTubers, but like they get on stage, they suck. They they really do. Because <laughs> yeah. they don't have the experience. They don't have twenty plus years of right. experience dealing with crowds and yeah, hecklers not even a timing. couple of years yeah, you know? They're, they're so fresh and raw that they they they're basically open micers that are on stage and yeah it's, it's
1: not good yeah yeah and <laughs> with respect to that i was i will say hats off to some of those guys that could build followers to me it's kind of it's just because you don't know like i've put together some great skits well thought yes. out and I put it on and it doesn't hit. So I'm like, it's something else. Yeah. It's something else. And some of the ones that I don't expect to hit, they hit. So it's it's a different type of beast because I, like, I can't get a feel for it. I can't get a feel of just doing something in silence. I'm so used to having a crowd and looking at people and feeding off people. It's, yes. it's amazing. Well, we
0: should talk about your YouTube channel then because it's Joel Reynolds Jr. Yes. And... It's got skits on it. It's hilarious. The Popeyes chicken sandwich skit. I, I was dying yeah. laughing at that. It's rated R. Oh, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's people, hard R. I know
1: we're, 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 you know, we're on the improv, but on my channel, it's, it's, it's open and it's just honest, you know. And, you know, I say things. I mean, it's just getting, it's just shrinking down, man. Like you say, you like my roast. I love the roast. But videos. do you know? A couple of them has been taken down because it said it was considered bullying and harassment. That's what hurts me nowadays about doing comedy. That's why I say I love it. I'll always do it live, but I don't know if I can make it through the online thing unless they get things in order. And the guy I roasted, one of them, I don't know if you've seen it, it was a guy. He was arrested. He was a criminal, right? But his neck was kind of thick. <laughs> <laughs> and I talked about it, man. It was so funny. They took the video down, and then this guy just recently got arrested again. So I could have put it on remix right it got a lot of views from people that i didn't even know like cause i was just letting it rip so do you,
0: but it's, do you find yourself having an issue with that pc culture kind of oh absolutely right absolutely, absolutely. Where you, you i know the clip we have on the youtube channel is you talking about that like right they changed everything you know what i mean and
1: i and i kind of seen that coming and so i kind of backed off i should have fought through it but i seen that coming and i was trying to rethink my approach and also i had a whole change of. You know, we change every seven years. So yeah. the things I used to think, I don't think of them anymore. And I want to be true to myself. So I kind of, you know, it, but it became to a point where you just want to leave politics alone and just get back to the laughs. That's where I'm at right now. I want to get back to the laughs. I want to, you know, and try to entertain. But I'm still going to be edgy and my things might not make it pass because I'm just, you know, like you said, that the Popeye's chicken thing you know the stuff i say you can't you can't say it like they took nowadays i mean they took ain't Jemima off the syrup they took uncle Ben off the rice but they still left the quake oaks man so i mean what are they really doing because if they're talking about it's racist to have a person on a uh, on a box but i mean i think that's Iconic for somebody to be on a box because it shows like how far back it goes to everybody being able to do something, and it's it's weird nowadays because everything is racism is this and that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just overplayed way too much now. Absolutely, I, I really do. If we could people just get back to loving each other, quit looking at it because things happen anyway. You know, the same things they're pointing out happens with. People within the same race of people. So it's not, it's just bad people. It's bad people and it's good people. You know, you got evil people that's going to do things no matter what color their skin is. It's going to happen for the rest of
0: our existence. And it's got to be when we find common ground. And that's what comedy is. Whenever somebody can tell you the truth about whatever subject is brought up. And then you have a conversation about it and you can actually laugh and right. laugh at our differences, but laugh at our commonality. Right. And that's the thing is like it, like you said, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, which nationality you are. We have common things. We all have like a brother. We can't stand. Right. Or a cousin. Right. Or a, Family oh, member you don't want to yeah, see or for the holidays or we were spanked growing up or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's it's all about commonality. And that's I love that, too. And it's universal comedy. And that's something we were kind of talking about. You told me once, you know, I get kind of stereotyped or or typecast into this, you know, I'm a black comedian. Right, right. And you told me I'm not a black comedian. I'm an everyone comedian. Right, absolutely. So so what was your perspective on that?
1: I am. Just like you said, I I like to pull everybody together. When I went to New York, that really, because being in Texas when I first started, I was only going to certain places because of course I want to feel like you know people say I want somebody to look like me right that and really they're saying my skin color I want to I want to get their approval first and then go out into the world I was looking at it wrong and I was writing uh really complicated jokes and I mean they were getting more complex but the places I was going they were like you're not funny because they didn't want to sit they don't they didn't want to sit and think so I just started realizing differences. And so I went to New York, and I got to see a lot of different cultures. Where I was living, it was over 100 different dialects. Oh, wow. And, and I even went to a hostel. A hostel. I thought, I didn't even think those things were real. i seen a movie. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go. <laughs> but I went to one and did a show, and I had everybody cool. laughing. And it was people from Japan, China, Africa, England, London, Australia, And they barely spoke English, but they were able to laugh at what I was saying. And it kind of makes you feel good to know that they can relate no matter what language they speak, country, how far on the other side of the earth they are on. They were all laughing at one thing I said, and it still amazes me to this day. But it also gives me confidence to know that I could. I just did a show of all white people. I was the only black man there. I even... Joked about that, but I absolutely killed it, and they loved it, and I loved them. I wanted to hang out with them. It was so fun. It was like a private party. A lady wanted me to roast her husband, and I roasted him so good. I was like, "Look at this! You know, he got he had a sweater on, like he got a Bill Cosby sweater on, you know." And they was laughing. This guy had these. He's a he's a guitar player, and he had these fingernails. I'm like, "Oh my God! What in the Count Dracula is going on here?" Um, it was so much fun. It was so much love. And it just like almost like race didn't exist. And I feel like it wouldn't be an issue if it wouldn't be constantly thrown in our faces, right? Because let's just face it, ever since being in this country, being here, I was born in America, but I mean, I I don't understand it. But if we was able to focus, not worry about that so much, we could get so much more achieved and things would go on. But I think actually in the real world, people are doing that. Mm -hmm. But I think they say, well, they'll say... Well, it's not enough this type of people on this and that. But black people are only 13% of the population. So it's going to be some towns where you go and it's all white people. And I've never had a problem in those towns with the cops or anything. Like nothing. Like we go and talk, with my friend Kenny that's on the show with me, we go and laugh and joke in the gas station. The next thing you know, everybody's watching us and laughing. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's not what I see when I go to these little towns. Because, you know, I I do think that, you know, because you go and you don't see any black people. But that's just that's how it's set up right now. That's just how the population is. And, and I'm okay with that now. it's black people in other places. And that's cool, too. They're in other places. I'm blessed to be where I'm at. But I've never had a person hold me back because of the color of my skin. Nobody said, no, I don't want you. I have probably more white people hiring me on a website. My picture's on the website and my videos are up. They hire me for more my percentage of getting gigs on but I get everybody. White people, Mexican, I have an Indian, I have a black, I've done all
0: And you can talk to anyone, like because you you're you're in a uh Multiracial uh, marriage. Is that the right term? Is? Right, right. Yeah. yeah my and, wife is Mexican. Yeah. And your <laughs> and your son what do well, he say? Black yeah, my son is black again. <laughs> right, yeah. So he's a black and
1: Mexican. You know, we take him to Ross and let him tear up the place and then after he tears it up he helps clean it up. <laughs> black again But so
0: you you, you have this like diversity where you can like you told me once like you speak a little bit of spanish don't you
1: oh yeah just a little bit poquito
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is poquito
1: <laughs> uh, just a little bit it's a little bit poquito <laughs> spaniel senor uh, and, but you
0: were saying like i can i can talk to any audience anyone who comes in here i can be comfortable with like uh, you know and and I, it sucks that you get put into that box right you shouldn't yeah. Be put in that box.
1: yeah it does but I don't think about, I don't think about a box. I just ignore, you know, I just do what I do right now. I just want to do a show with good people that want to laugh, you know, basically. So whoever it is want to hire a comedian, universal, I could be clean. I could be dirty. It's, at first I was like, oh, this is just too much. Like some people, but and I'm going to be straight up with you. It is a difference between black comedy and white comedy. Now you got some black comics that can do white audiences like me and you got some white comics that can do black audiences. It's universal, but it's a difference in the people, the way people laugh. I think white people are more you know open to the fact that they will give you the benefit of the doubt and listen to your story and get to the end of it, you know, and they might silence you to death if it's not funny
0: cuz they want to <laughs> laugh
1: too. But black people are like, "Oh, you know, he acted a fool. They don't really just say, oh, he said this joke. Some of some of my people do, but they just, oh, he just wants to see you act a fool. Yeah. And so, and then it's different environments. Like, you know, like I said, a, improv is such a great platform and a lot of people don't realize the value of a comedy club, right? Because most of the time we're out You know, as a comic trying to come up, you're doing shows at bars and they want to have the TV on. They want to have uh, music. They have a DJ doing music and he cracking jokes while he bring you up. And he want to he want to interrupt your punchline and stuff like that. So it's just weird that everybody wants to be a comic outside of the comedy club and outside of the effort as getting up on stage by yourself and talking to the crowd.
0: Uh, One thing I will say is I love black crowds. And the reason why is because if you're not funny... I'm yeah. Not gonna laugh. No, we're not. But if, if if they find you funny and you can crack that joke that gets them, that like it's it's su- it's such a wonderful experience. They're gonna give it up. Yeah. It's joy, you know what I mean? And like black folks, they, they give do- it up. Yeah, yeah they, they, they fall out of the chair. Like I've worked here for seven years. You yeah. know what I mean? And like I can't even tell you how many times people <laughs> backed up into yeah. me, and I just like love it because I'm yeah. just like that joyousness of like yeah. getting caught up in the comedy. Is exactly.
1: Amazing. It's 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 a it's a. That's the thing though, like, you, you're right, like, you said it, like, black people give it up. That's what I learned when I went to New York, and it's like a culture of comedy there. You know, Texas, we really... Some people are still being trained on the live arts, live entertainment, being there. You have to know how to be here, too. Because some people try to scroll through their phone and halfway watch you. You can't watch... It's not watching art. So I went to New York, and I I used to watch Def Jam. That's what inspired me. But I went to New York, and those people were laughing like they're like running up the aisles. And that is just... (laughs) I've seen... When I first got, I used to watch this dude. Man, it was Clipper, man, out of Detroit, man. And this guy was hilarious. And... He was just the people were getting up and running back and forth down the aisle, you know, that's that's how that's how black people are. That's yeah. how church is. Yeah. That's how our fights are, <laughs> you know. When somebody gets knocked out, they oh! When <laughs> somebody dunk,
0: oh!
1: I've noticed the younger, the white younger white kids do that because they like that, you know. They yeah. oh! oh somebody dunk or fight, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's joyous. It's so funny. So I think it's kind of like a shift, really, what's going on, and we're almost pretty much the same, you know. This show I did with these white people recently, they, I had. It surprised me how hard they were laughing, like the roar got. And that's what comics really long to hear is a roar. If you're hearing a roar or you hear,
0: you hearing that,
1: <laughs> oh, that is nothing like it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. All I right. do want to ask, the first time that you went on stage, were you nervous at an open mic? Were you how, what was that experience like? Like I told you, I, I started out at
1: Steve Harvey's Comedy House, and it was open mic. It was a spot they had for new comedians, and what was crazy, I'll just tell you the story. I know you asked me a question, you opened up a can of worms. <laughs> I kept going to watch, right? Mm-hmm. I was just observing. So I finally went on the night they did open mic, and the stage manager asked me, she said, are you a comedian? And I was just like, yeah. I hadn't been on stage, I hadn't did anything. I was just watching, but I just said, yeah. And she put me on a list to go up. Oh, Right, and they posted it on the wall, <laughs> and I was number two, because that's when you, you knew they put you number one and number two, and I went up, and I was so afraid, the stage was like in a corner, so it cornered, and I just turned my back and told the jokes. <laughs> I was terrified, Doug. I, tur- I had my back... I, could, I, I still can't believe I did this, but I had my back to the audience. I talked, told my jokes, and the comedians would die laughing when I got off stage. It was like, man, you ki- you would have killed it if you would have just faced the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, I have no problem facing the crowd. Yeah. That's what I had to face my fear, and it just emboldened me. And then guess what? Later on, the stage manager was Erica Badu. No way. Yeah, so when I started my career... I was working with Erica Badu before she was Erica Badu. Oh my she god! She was just yes, and she was so like she was so cool. I mean, she just like she is now, yeah. you know. But you know, without the incense and stuff, she was <laughs> in, in, in the singing. She was like a comedian though. She has this incredible timing. I mean, she's so in tune. Like every time I run into her, we cool. We just sit and talk for a long time. She, you know, she hooked me up with some tour dates and things like that. So oh, I so really cool. appreciated that. But yeah, that's my first time, though. I tell the story and people are like, what? You turned your back? <laughs> I had my back turned, man. It's like you coming in front of all these people and just turn your back and tell a joke. And I did that,
0: I man. mean, but it got you there and it got you to catch the bug, you know. Were right. Where you were you oh. like, I want to do it again. So were you back next week and the week after? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I was in. I was in, like. The thing is, like I said, it closed in six months, so it was going through a transition, and people didn't see me. But then the person that did recognize me was Shucky Ducky, and he would always give me my props. And I've seen a lot of comedians come and go, come and go over there. And they had a competition right before it closed, and I won the competition. But like I said, I just thought you just get into comedy, and (laughs) you, you get funny, and then everything will just take care of itself. Right. Nope. Wrong idea. And I never knew... I was cool with people, but I just never knew to try to work myself into positions or talk more, ask more questions. That's what I wish I would have did. But I'm happy where I'm at right now. Absolutely.
0: I think you're doing great. And like I said, you're headlining the shows. Like I know you're a favorite of this club. Like I just... You... Like like I said, you, you're written large in my mythology. You yeah, know I, mean? like, I appreciate I look at it. you as, like I said, one of my heroes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it
1: is. And, and I appreciate that and the opportunity that this club has given me, you know, the Arlington Improv, because it's kind of like what I wanted. Like if, if something, if I was to make it up, I would want to headline my own show right in my own hometown. And sometimes when you local, people don't give you that credit that you really really, really deserve. And I think that's what's happening. It's like, if they see me on something, all it would take is like a little tweak, you know, but we do good. Like we we still do good, but I'm just saying like, taking it to another level. But I know it's some things that I need to do, you know, as far as doing more. And, you know, so I had to kind of step back and take care of my family during COVID. I had, you know, I I got a son. I waited till I'm you know older to have a son. So I had to step back and set up some money, some real money to Really, let me be free because I want to do this forever. I don't want anybody controlling what I say. That's why people, that's why you should come to the show because I, I say stuff that you can't say on YouTube, <laughs> you can't say online anymore. You can't see this. I told my brother I'm going to call my first special dinosaur because the stuff <laughs> that I'm going to say is extinct. Yes, 100%. Right? That's
0: awesome. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite memories was right after COVID, you came to do a show at the Addison Improv, and you sprayed down the mic stand. Oh yeah! And you're like, this isn't me. My wife made me do it. Like, I, <laughs>
1: yeah. I was losing it. It was the first time, and, and it's so funny, and I'm glad you laughed, but I was absolutely serious. <laughs> my wife said, you better stand back for people you wear. Wear masks, mask, wipe the microphone down, spray it, this and that. Oh, man, my wife wore me out. Not telling now. You wore me out during COVID. I'm not doing this no more. When I stopped wearing the mask. I stop. I'm not doing it. I don't care what they do. Yeah, it was, I, it was
0: so good though. Yeah, it I was appreciate
1: hilarious. it, man. I, I was really frustrated too. I think that was my first show to it during that time and it was I still haven't told her to this day that that show I think it was, I don't know, it was sold out uh, mm-hmm. something and I took pictures with everybody in the room <laughs> and I didn't get sick <laughs>
0: That's freaking awesome. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's just stuck jumping in to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you dig it, please head over to our website at improvtx.com, where you can check out our calendar for all the upcoming shows in Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio. And don't forget to follow our social media, all links in the description. And with that, back to the podcast. What was it like the first time you headlined a show? Like when you were on the marquee and it was all about you and you had to do 40 minutes or whatever
1: well honestly when I first headlined the show I wasn't on the marquee but (laughs) so I could talk about that moment but I'll talk about when I first really headlined you know you you start telling guys like you got 20 minutes like that's what these comics do to me today and I know I could tell when they don't so the guy asked me you got an hour and at the time I might have had 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got an hour. And I went out there. I mean, I rode a bus out. It was a bus trip. I remember the guys telling me, oh, just go out. This guy don't carry like dirty comedy. I'm like, that's right in my alley. And I figured, so I went and I headlined it and I did like an hour and 15 minutes.
0: You right? had 30 minutes and you did an hour and 15. Yeah.
1: He said, just do as long as you want. And I got, I got into it. Like it opened me up. You know, I started, you know, and he liked dirty comedy. So everything was just coming to me and I was stretching it out. So I realized because sometimes you get used to doing five and ten minutes. Like me, I can't really do anything with five and ten minutes. Honestly, I can stay on one joke for five minutes. So I learned to, as I say a joke, I add and add to it. I got one joke I can do five minutes, I can do ten minutes. And I would try things also. I would throw extra, especially if it's a really good crowd and they're laughing. You throw something extra, then you got an extra tag. Yeah. You know, you just be in the moment. So I practice on so much of being in the moment. That's why I'm like that on stage because I feed off of that. And that's why, like I said, it's hard for me to do videos because I use, I feed off the crowd so much. Yeah. And even if the crowd is not like that, I still feed off of just people being here. You know, because sometimes some crowds are different. A lot of people don't know. I had to learn that too. Because somebody like I didn't do as good as I did last time. But I mean, crowds are different. Audiences yeah. are different. Some people want to give it up. Some people think you're funny, but they don't really want to laugh. I've had people sitting there yeah. looking at me after the show, man. Like, oh man, you were funny. They didn't have any reason to lie <laughs> to me. I'm like, but you're not. You wouldn't. You wouldn't laugh, and you wouldn't like giving it up. I see some people like, ah, oh, they like, like you had a comedy show. Don't cover your mouth. That's what I mean. Like we need to be schooled more in the south. I see that in the south more in Texas. Like people but like in new york are oh, they giving it up going down the house doing cock reels, slapping the chairs beating the seats <laughs> hitting the floors
0: that's awesome we definitely need that here right because here it can be patchy you know what i mean like right. you're standing on stage and you got the left side of the room front corner laughing and then you got this guy on the right side in the back third seat laughing right and you're like how do you find a way to bring that audience together uh, like yeah it's 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 <laughs> it's tough, but yeah. you
1: know I learned how to. Some comedians use that; they try to use that to take it personal. I've seen guys that's been in for years, and they try to you know they see one person and they try to focus on them. And sometimes they don't crack them. That's yeah. why they don't show them on TV when they're trying to do that because they don't crack the guy. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they just you know they just be outlandish to crack him, You know, but, <laughs> and then and that's the purpose though, because I love the sound of laughter. It's something that's healing about it. I like to laugh, but it's harder for me to laugh. I laugh at goofy stuff. I like, you know, funniest home videos, somebody walking into a screen door that's closed that they thought was open. Like, that's the stuff that's funny to me, you know? I've heard so many jokes and see, watched so much comedy. Even if I don't laugh, I can say, yeah, that's that's funny, you know? But I just, I don't just laugh at it. I mean, it's my job. I
0: think being here for eight years, working at the comedy club, I laugh at the jokes in between the jokes, the little things people don't see, mm-hmm. like the, in the setup or the twist or the not so much the punchline anymore. It's all the stuff beforehand. Or, or if I see a comedian do something for themselves on stage, right. that makes me lose it. Like yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. But I really do want to talk about the fact that you are a roast master. Like, yes, sir. You get on stage. Like you roasted me last week. I think the way I was walking, and I thought I it was did? hysterical. Oh, sorry. No, no, I didn't care. I was. I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> Because I was like, he's right. That's the way I'm walking. But, like, you, you're you really good at that. Like, And I imagine with hecklers, you handle them the same way. Is that right? Oh,
1: yeah. That's why I do it. But to me, it's like karate because I used to just do it. And some people get really mad. That's why I always I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I was on stage. It, but, I had to. But
1: yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. And, and some people don't understand, like like they throw off your timing, like some audience don't know that you have to have timing and you have to have a, you got a setup and a punchline. And if people don't hear your setup, then they don't understand the punchline, then they won't think it's funny. So if somebody interrupts me, I just used to go off because I really would be mad, but I would be cracking jokes. So that's what my power was, you know, so it's it's my strength. I've done it even before I started comedy. How it happened was I moved away with my mom, my, they was, my, her, my dad was divorced, and I moved away with her. And I met some, this, the guy she was messing with, his family members, and they was, oh, your mama, your mama's so broke, y'all got to eat with food stamps. And I, I was, oh my God, I was appalled. I was crying. I was like nine years old, I was crying. Then uh-huh. all of a sudden, we would have these hangouts where they was all around, and I started getting them. Yeah. I was just tearing them up. I, I mean, like, I was a kid, and I, but I was the number one. Even some of the, the adults couldn't even handle me. And, I would, and I, would, <laughs> I would do it at school, like, I was so, we was broke, but. I had free lunch, but I was so proud I didn't want to get free lunch. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed about it. So to not focus on my hunger, I would just sit in the hallways and talk about everybody that walked by, just off the top of my head. Oh, wow. All, and people would line up on the walls to see what I would say, and people would be scared. like people, Because some people weren't aware that I was doing it, so they get talked about. But the people that was where they sit and just watch me do it and not want to walk by in school. Well,
0: how cool is that? You were doing comedy almost before you did comedy. Yeah, right? I mean,
1: like I said, it, it, it was truly something I should do. You know, you see a lot of guys, oh, my co-workers told me I'm funny. But that's different, you know, because it's a moment, but it was a moment, but I actually got into the
0: comedy. Yeah, and one of the biggest things people don't realize is keeping somebody's attention for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15, keeping a crowd's attention. That's hard. That's its own thing. You know what I mean? It's, like, a, yeah. it's hard. And it's so a, you were doing that at yeah. a young
1: age. It's a extreme amount of focus. Yeah. Or, or fun. It's just something I did. Like, I used to play basketball for a church, right, when I was, like, in that, that same age range, like, you know, 18, 19. And we would ride this bus, be an hour trip. I would just talk about guys the whole time. And I used to watch movies because it wasn't as much cable out. So I would do a lot of impressions of movies we've seen and just, just entertaining the whole time to keep us from... Being bored, I just you know I was so used to I lived in the country, no cable. It was even barely regular television, nothing like barely even had music. So we would just you know joke on each other, play Nintendo, and just joke all day, right. like all day, and, and,
0: and just that's awesome because that and I have to believe it. Shit talk, uh, yeah, <laughs> that that turned into a profession for you. you know right. What I mean? How right. cool is that?
1: It is. And I really realized that was my calling. I was in a talent show and I was dancing. I could dance good when I was young. <laughs> and, and, and and I just like, you know what? I was like, I, I just quit. I just quit the dancing. I'm like, I'm not feeling this. And I went and talked to them. I said, why don't y'all just let me host a talent show since I'm the Joker and they let me host a talent show at my high school. I remember Tisha Campbell was there because it was it was in Oklahoma. She had some kind of ties with Oklahoma. It was crazy though. Then I watched Def Jam, and then that was just that was me. I was like, I got to do comedy. I, you know, I wrote jokes for two years before I even had the courage to get on stage. Oh though. wow! So awesome. that's that's why I'm able to do what I do now is because I'm a I'm like I'm a writer. I've been writing. For a long time, and I still write jokes to this day. And a lot of comics don't know that they just think that people are talking, but I actually, see, that. I got I got two backpacks full of jokes. That's insane.
0: Do you still use the jokes that you wrote for that time, or are they long I, gone? I,
1: some of them are gone. Some of them come back to me, and I'll be like, "Wait a minute, I can." That's that's why Duck. I like I truly. If I had, you know, the 22nd and 23rd, 23rd, I got two shows. I could do two different 45-minute sets. Yeah,
0: I think I've seen you do that before. Sometimes
1: I change. I'm I'm always changing it up. Like, I'm always changing it up. I'm trying to pull something new. But sometimes I'll reach way back because it's something I hadn't done so long. Like, I'm like, they haven't even seen me. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, some jokes had to be, you know, adjusted to the timeline, things like that. But, yeah, I have a lot of stuff. If I could really get it, because I have stuff that I, like, in my heart that I want to say. So sometimes I'm, you know, in that. but I've been trying to break it up a little bit. I got a lot of new stuff, though, for for the 23rd.
0: Well, that kind of leads me into my next question. What is your writing process like?
1: It grew over the years. I've read books, but just to put it in a nutshell, I'll write the joke, like set it up. And really, I don't really write it down. Like I used to just write it out. But now, like if if it comes to me, I'll write it down and look at it and say, okay, well, this is... Okay, here's the setup. This is the punchline, but sometimes like sometimes I'll just say it. Like my thing is writing a joke. I might not have a joke written, but I'll go somewhere and just say it. Like I used to say it about my son, like my son is black skin. I never meant to, that as a joke. He's black and Mexican. And I, and, I, and I thought of that name. I mean, I'm not the first one. I'm sure I've seen it out there, but I thought of that name. You know, I got my black skin t-shirts. A lot of people see that and they say it and as soon as I just say that word, so then I was like, all right, that works. That's black skin, right? So he's black and Mexican. I'll, I'll, I'll start mixing the culture, you right. know? I say, yeah, I'm, i make him some pork chop nachos, you know? <laughs> you know? Everybody know black people like pork chop and Mexican like nachos. So I make him some pork chop nachos, you know? And so it just, that's the, so I start looking for, okay, food, okay, or places. Where would black people go only, mostly, you know? They would go to some, one of these big tea bazaars or something like that. And we know in Texas, Mexican people are known for going to Trader's Village. Yes. So I would say I would take him to Big T and Trader's Village. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to let him see both sides of his culture. That's so. so
0: awesome. Dealing with stereotypes. That's something that comedians work with. And that becomes offensive to some people. The right. PC culture aspect right. of it. And that's what I always consider this stage or any stage, the last festival of like free speech. Yeah. Where you can get up and say something. Like it really is. In my set, I say the epsilon like, I, I know I probably shouldn't, but I want to say it. And on the stage, I've said it many times. Yeah. And people will go, oh, or they'll laugh at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I probably you just
1: shouldn't. don't know what they're going to do.
0: You just don't know what they're going to do. But it's one of those things where we deal in stereotypes. We say things that probably are not people are not ready to hear. Right. But it's within truth. It's yeah. all within truth.
1: Yeah. Because, but some people don't want to hear that. Yeah. That's oh. the problem with days
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree with you, and that's the thing is they want to hide and they want to like we celebrate our differences, and that's the thing people need to realize. Like when I'm talking about somebody, like I'm celebrating them. You know what I mean? It's never to put them down completely. Right? It's, it's to have a conversation. Like I, I don't know if you know this. My girlfriend is trans. Okay. Right. So I have jokes about trans people. Yeah. And said. some of them are not very nice.
1: Right. But but you you are dating that person so it's your experience you're not saying it to be mean and that's what i want to get about about comedy is that people don't understand we as comics first we humiliate ourselves yes number one yes that's why we don't give a about what anybody else thinks of what we're saying and and that's just how we see it but a lot of people don't understand that. They look at, if they see you just say a part about somebody else, oh, he's being cruel. Or if they didn't hear that you said, you know, my girlfriend's trans, if they didn't hear that part, all they're going to be is offended, what you say? Yeah. But the part when you say that's your girlfriend and that, that's endearment, that's, that's what people don't understand. Like, you're living that. That person knows you're saying these things. You're just really and you could take that and make it relatable to mm-hmm. like a well, i guess what a heterosexual relationship you could take that and say well i got the benefit of you know uh, you know it's it's, it's so, i, mean, I want to sit down and write some jokes for you because <laughs> uh, i'm thinking about <laughs> i'm thinking about a ton of jokes that you say that but um
0: well that's the thing is it also gives me the ability to go and educate you know what i mean right Based upon my jokes like i can show you that side of the world cause I, not everyone knows what people who are trans are like and they yeah. probably think it's crazy and weird and blah 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 and I get that cuz I went through that whole phase of having those thoughts too. Yeah. But and it's that, interesting, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's an education thing and that's something that you do. You're very good about educating and then do a punchline.
1: Right. It's, it's No, it's, man, it's, I I hey, I've seen some trans men I'd be like, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't for for the other stuff, I was like, I I might talk, I might holler at him <laughs> or her, whatever you're supposed to say. I don't even know what you're supposed to say. You don't, you know, you, 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 I don't know, but I don't. I, I, we don't, we don't try to offend nobody. We're just telling them our pain. And like you said, we we get a connection, get a laugh, it makes us feel better. This is really therapy for me. I already tell people like this ain't. I I used to have this phrase where I said this ain't jokes. These are problems. And, and, <laughs> And I see big time comedians <laughs> saying these phrases that I thought of when they weren't even around. And yeah. they might have seen me say, but nobody don't know me like them. So they thinking, oh, you took this from them. But uh, I've had a lot of big, big names, you know, borrow a couple of jokes from me. What do you do
0: when that happens? Do you say something I, or you just I, let it go?
1: I used to be like, oh, I'm a good on this warpath. But, you know, i not never see him. know? One, you know, I kind of was on tour with them, So it just kind of traded off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean it. I'm just like bro just tell me you know I, I'll write something for you you know but it, 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 and another thing too that but some comics do it like if you watch enough comedy sometimes you might accidentally like I tell comic this if you trying to if you write a joke and a joke comes out perfect nine times out of ten you heard someone before you yep. just it's in your conscience man and it happens and I've also wrote jokes that I've never even said and then I've seen somebody else say that thing I was thinking so that's possible Absolutely. but a lot of guys especially in my culture they think it's okay with i seen I have guys me, I, I take I do this joke I do these jokes I don't care I'm, I'm gonna do whatever oh,
0: you know wow. if they're doing
1: whatever to make people laugh to me that's not the craft and if it don't come from you and your heart it's, you're not a comedian either. Yeah. You're just a, what they call it, a jester. You just want people laughing at you. But the, the real comedian, like, I want the people to laugh at my pain so I can feel better about it. That's why I'm doing it. And I like to hear people laugh. I like the healing of it. The therapy of it. It's therapeutic. I and mean, It's almost like a workout, right? You know?
0: It sounds like you view it as an art form.
1: And, oh, absolutely. And, and
0: you respect it. And you respect the craft of it. Right. And so... Did you always view it that way at first or when you got – Because uh, were you just telling jokes and just trying to be
1: – I really wanted to do it, you know. I'm, I was one of those – they say I'm funny, so I'm – you know. But nobody really pushed me to do it but myself. I, I just fell in love with it. And, and once I did it, it's like, like you said, man, it's the bug. People don't – regular – people that's not a comedian don't understand. It's, it is a bug. And I've seen a lot of people catch it, and I've seen a lot of people don't want to stop. I've seen some people quit over – Not doing it or life getting in the way. The thing is, comedy has been here through my life through so many different phases that I've learned to... What am I going through now? I learned to express it in my comedy. So that's why it changed. That's why I couldn't do jokes that I did back that I wrote because it wouldn't fit my style anymore. That's why I'm always writing too.
0: So you constantly write Are you constantly... Putting it on paper, or are you typing it out, or are you just thinking yeah, it through? Yeah,
1: if something comes to my head and how I catch it is, I write the subject now. Now, I've had a lot I've lost.
0: <laughs> I have a lot, of, oh, that's
1: funny. Or a lot when I be real high and then I come down, I'll be like, that's not really that funny. No, it that's wasn't. not funny at all. I don't know what the hell I was thinking about. I st- had to stop writing jokes when I got high. I'm like, can't do that. It has to pass a sober test first. Because yeah. you, sometimes you think every, you know, I got to that point where I thought everything was funny when I'm high. But I learned this: some things I can write, and I'm be like, I know that's funny if I say it, will laugh, and I'll t- have to tell the crowd that's funny. Y'all should laughed. and I don't give up on it. I do a class too sometimes with with the open mic co- comics, and I tell them if if you think of a joke and you write it and you tell it and the people don't laugh. They don't mean it's not funny. You're just not communicating the right thing to them to make them laugh. So you got to just work on the wording of it. That's why I say the wording is perfect. You know, it's a timing thing that like people don't realize they interrupt you. They want to phone go off in the middle of one of your words. It's an important word that they have to hear during a joke, but it's kind of hard to explain comedy to, to normies because they don't get it. And it's like a, it's, it's really like you're a magician to them. It's a mystic crab, but I understand it. But I really couldn't explain it to him. Like, the things I, you know, some of the stuff I'm talking about is like, you know, because you're a comic, you've actually been on stage, but it's really, it's still a mystery to some people. Absolutely. But
0: that's part of the fun is when you break it down, you start learning about the twist, the punchline, the tag, the, all the things, the timing, like how you, you need to, Focus on this side of the stage and that side of the stage and go in between, like it, there's so much that goes into it. how to how to be present and in the moment mm-hmm. and, and feel the room and the energy from the room. Right. Like sometimes the energy in the room is just dour. It's hard. Yeah. And then sometimes it's joyous, yeah. you know? So it just changes. What advice would you give to people who are looking to get into comedy? People who are thinking about going to that first open mic or you know, just like people like me who are just starting out. What, what advice would you give? Well, if you're
1: looking to go to that first open mic right now, we do the test your mic every Tuesday yeah. at the in Arlington. It's the best place to start out and learn. I've had a lot of people come up here and, you know, get out into the world. That's what I can say. Just get get on stage as soon as possible, especially if you're young. You know, I had a guy... I was pretty old. He's like, you, you think I'm gonna make it? I'm like, no, man, cause you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you you're 49. You over here trying to do characters and you're not telling jokes. He'll be here tonight. He might be up right now. <laughs> I, I'm trying to tell him how to write a joke. He's not listening. I'm like, people have to be able to follow you. If you like, I tell a lot of comedians that your first three jokes on stage must connect, cause you're establishing a pattern. And I had to tell a lot of them, let the crowd laugh. Don't just Pull through it either. Don't just sit up. Some people have to do that to block people out. But you gotta absorb the people and fill the room. You can't just blah 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 blah
0: blah 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 because you're scared. So you just keep talking. Talking. Don't pause. You're not listening. Yeah, you
1: gotta pause. You gotta fill the room. You got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Mm. You know, if you came in with a big, you know, something on your face, you like, yeah, I got. I know I got something on my face. I would just wait until, you know, but if you get up there and something on your face, and I was at work the other day, and he's going to be looking, he got something on his, his face. face. <laughs> they don't know that, though, man. They don't think about that.
0: But that's great advice, though, <laughs> having the first three jokes connect. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah. And I started thinking about my set, and I was like, Oh, if I do that. You see.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and another thing that they, you know, told me when I was starting out, come out with your best joke and end on your best joke. And so I started doing that and then I put one in the middle and then everything else started, you know, then everything started evening out. It's like, oh.
0: And that's can, the thing is not every joke's a hitter. Sometimes you got in between jokes, you know. Yeah. There's different levels of laugh. There's different levels of funny. But when you're building a pattern of jokes, you know, or, or you're beginning to string them along, you know, it just. Not everything's going to be perfect and not everything's going to be so right. funny. But whenever you finally get confident in it, the chances of that joke that isn't the funniest joke is probably going to hit. Right. Yeah. And then these comedians, they
1: come at the open mic and they think, oh, um, well, I said this little joke last week so everybody knows. Yeah, the comics know and you know their jokes too. I had to tell them it takes six months to a year to work out a joke. Yep. So you just keep doing it. Don't worry about Oh, so they gonna know my jokes. You're not even that far along. I know some comics that's been doing comedy for a long time, and they really funny, and they do the same jokes from start to finish. But people laugh at them real hard from start to finish. You know, cause you see them come up here, yeah. do the same. You could, you could, you could time your clock to it when they say a joke. You be like, all right, he' about to get off stage. Like you know, <laughs> right? Yes. From being here, but that's how you should be till you got everything is funny. That's fine. It's because they don't understand how hard it is. Come up with a 45-minute set yeah. to be banging like that all the way through to the front. So that's why sometimes you see headliners, they'll slow it down a little bit. And a lot of comics think they're funny than headlining because they're doing 10 minutes. Oh, it's funny. But yeah, you did not have to worry about doing 45 minutes. That's a whole nother level. You can go up there and just bark off some jokes and get lucky for 10 minutes. But 45 minutes, you got to
0: dig deep. I can't even imagine how challenging it is.
1: But it's fun at the yeah. same time because yeah. it's always good to see like, what? I'm already at 40? Yeah. And I'm like, you know.
0: I want to ask this real quick check drop how do you deal with check drop whenever that happens that brings down the energy in the room people are looking at how much money they owe Do you attack it straight on and make a joke about it or do you you just kind of let
1: I didn't really notice it here in the south like I said that was something that I was brought my attention to and when I was in New York because they would do that and it would get serious but like I said, the elephant in the room. You know, you say this is the moment to get quiet. Look at everybody. Truth, everybody start realizing how much money they' ain't to spend tonight, <laughs> and then they wanna go home. They tired of me. You know, usually a check spot is in, in New York. They have a comedian that go out just for that time to do the check spot. So they kind of do it early, so the headliner wouldn't have to deal with it. Right. So that's why, like, I, I could offer some advice to them, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna avoid that. People gonna say that check. You know, everybody bringing out the checks going you know people get serious especially my people get serious about that money I oh, oh, <laughs> them, them damn wings that much damn I don't know them drink cost that much <laughs> so you know you try not to get you know it's kind of up to the club too to try not to get that involved because people get so Tight about their money, but then some of my people—they cool, all right, whatever. Here it is. Oh yeah, and they just keep, they they just keep rolling. Yeah, Yeah, that's the people we like, right? Oh, it's awesome. That's the people, that's the people you like because they truly came to good time to have a good time. And I learned the best audiences in the world is a paying audience because I've done some free shows. The
0: hardest (laughs) people to make laugh. (laughs) It's the hardest people to make laugh. It's rough. My final question for you: Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Where do you, where do you want to be? Where do you see you know Joel Reynolds Jr. right here
1: (laughs) you know i don't i don't really care duck i don't i don't it's not about making it big to me i just want to express myself like i said it's going to be called dinosaur (laughs) i want people to come out and say we got to see this guy because nobody else can say nobody else say or saying this but there's some comedians out there that does that but you have to make it first before you do it they won't let you come up saying things like, I mean, I've been coming up, but you know what I mean? Like where I'm at in my position, where I'm at, I, I want to say what I want to say. Right. I've worked in radio before. I know how it works. They want you to say certain things, but they don't really want to have to tell you. So they want to have somebody that will do the things that they want without telling them, if you you understand what I'm saying. So I just want to do comedy. I just want people to come see me. I want to continue to write material and grow and just get better and better. One thing I would not mind doing is having a residence in Las Vegas like Red Fox once my son or my kids are old enough to be able to do that but right now I just want to be around my family, my son, make a living and I want to do comedy. I want to do shows. I want to I really want to film me an underground special. Dude, I was just shopping.
0: I was and thinking shop that. Shopping. Yes.
1: See if I can Call it See dinosaur. if I can hit. Yeah, that right. would
0: be amazing. Let's
1: do it. I want to be. I want to break through like a different way, not through Hollywood. I don't. I don't have anything against Hollywood, but you know, I just know how things work. And right now, like you know, you talk about all this other stuff going on about how this got to be. That's how certain things are. And I don't want to jump through any kind of hoops. I don't want anybody saying, "Okay, now it's time for you to wear your dress." You know, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to go through. This. If I want to wear a dress, I will wear a dress. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. If I want to do that. I don't want to get a lot of money and then all of a sudden then they say, okay, now we need you to do this or you, you're you not going to get no more money. You know, I want to be the responsible for my destiny. I want to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I want to control my destiny.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you being here on the podcast. I appreciate you talking to me today. Thanks for The show's going to be on the 22nd and 23rd. Hey,
1: so- come see me. 22nd of December and the 23rd is Christmas Eve Eve. The Arlington Improv's <laughs> a show at 7.30 and 9.45. This is the last comedy show before Christmas. Because Christmas Eve, everybody going to be on the road or they're going to, you know, do their food. Thursday and Friday, people should be through with their Christmas shopping. I know it's some last minuteers, but it's going to be at 9 night so we are good it's going to have a good time it's going to be a christmas out you know atmosphere i might give away a few gifts i've oh, been sweet. trying to debate i want to i really want to do something for the people that come
0: we'll see yeah it's going to be amazing come come it's out. going to be absolutely amazing thank you so much for being here Joel runnels jr thanks for having me. amazing like i said one of my heroes so this has been awesome to talk thanks, to Doug. you and hopefully we're going to work something out where you get your own podcast in the network Oh, yeah. We're going to figure that out. Let's do that. All right. So, with that said, everyone, support local comedy in any way, shape, or form that you can. And we will see you on the next one. And there it is. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please head over to ImprovTX.com to check out all our upcoming shows at the Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio clubs. If you like this podcast, you might enjoy the other podcasts on the ImprovTX Comedy Network. We have The Act Out. From open mics to the big stage, comedians tell us the story they've made, where I talk to comedians from all over and chat about their journey this far. Also, check out the Black Dog Retro Arcade podcast. Straight from the arcade, we talk about how our favorite games were made that's right we're talking all that video game goodness and finally we have quacking up a storytelling podcast where we pick suggestions from a hat and tell stories based upon them once again thank you so much for listening please check out our social media all links in the description and with that we'll see you on the next one